Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today, I'm joined by Jesse Stewart of AM300. How are you today, Jesse? I'm doing well, Stephen. How are you doing, my friend? I am very well, thank you very much. You are joining me, another guest. I love having you guys on, another guest from over the pond in the States. There seems yes. to be a pattern this week, I think, of uh, American guests, which is fine. <laughs> Cool, all man. brothers in arms, all brothers in arms. Exactly, that's it. So let's jump straight into this because I am just dying to just jump into your story, jump into your background uh, and everything in between. First and foremost, tell me a little bit about yourself and then we can get on about what is AM300, what have you founded and like what's the mission, dude? Yeah, so my name is Jesse Stewart. Uh, I'm a retired Army Ranger. Uh, I served in the United States military from 2002 to 2012. I uh, was planning to make it a, a full, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 year career. And then unfortunately that was cut short by being wounded four times uh, over in the Middle East, serving side by side with your fellow countrymen uh, as well from the SAS. Uh, had my fourth reconstructive surgery in uh, late 2011. And when I woke up from it, they said, hey, sorry, man, you just went from being one of the youngest majors in the army to being one of the youngest retired majors. And so I retired from the military, fortunately with a full retirement in 2012. And now uh, civilian was fortunate enough to have gotten, you know, some pretty good civilian education while I was on active duty. So I had a, a master's in business administration. And so I retired. Went in the business world for uh, about four years, uh, worked, um, you know, in doing business development and also taught at a university uh, level uh, in the business department at Grand Canyon University in Arizona. And after about four years, I, I realized that, you know, the big corporate structure thing, considering I was paid for 10 years of my career to work in this unconventional state of, uh, of military operations, um, just wasn't really for me. And so I decided to uh, start my own. Uh, company. And through that, that's morphed into what I do now, which of course is AM 300 solutions. So of course, I mean, that's just opened up so many questions already. <laughs> uh, obviously, so sorry to hear about the injuries and that cutting that time short. Before we jump into AM 300, what was it like for you from an identity standpoint to go from that switch so quickly and, and it's completely out of your hands as well, right? Which is the worst case. Yeah. So uh, we had a little bit of a delay there, so I, but I think I got the question in terms of what it did with my identity. And, and that's probably one of the biggest things that I work with, with uh, US ski and snowboard team, uh, which is our Olympic uh, NGB that covers the snowboard and ski athletes for the Olympics is when I retired um, my entire identity, like you would have said, Hey, Jesse, who are you? I would say uh, I'm an army ranger and my name happens to be Jesse Stewart. I happen to have two beautiful daughters and I happen to be from, you know, North Carolina or whatever. Everything was wrapped around that identity. And so when I retired suddenly, which literally it was an overnight thing yeah. where I thought I was going back to Iraq to serve as, as the aide to General Bob Castlin, and who's still to this day a great mentor of mine, it was crushing. And it's very similar to when those professional athletes one day they're on top of the next day they get injured and then you know where's their identity and so the journey from 2012 you know even up until now a lot has been about 
kind of restructuring and reshaping mm -hmm. and a lot of my company is based around as well as you know who are you well my name is jesse stewart i happen to have a company named am 300 solutions and i was honored to have served as an army ranger for 10 years you know defending my country and the values that, that we believe in you know not only the united states but collectively i like to think you know as a world and so yeah. that's a, a pretty huge component of uh but yeah there is a lot in between those yeah, the, the of bookends of, of that question always there's always going to be a lot uh and, and it's just one of those things where i think everyone else doesn't even consider that until you hear from someone that's been through that uh because most people just live their life you know whatever identity they're in uh, whether that's a corporate job whether that's their own business and it's not until something forces your hand that is the only time you often get to look at things in that manner um so let's move forward then so what is AM300 Solutions? So AM300 started, so it's kind of a two-phase thing. So the name, what it's short for is uh, I had started a nonprofit back in 2009. Um, I unfortunately lost 14 of my Rangers under my command in 2006 and 2007 uh, when ISIS first became a household name in Iraq. And I had started a nonprofit called the American 300. Uh, and that was based off of our unit, which was called Task Force 300. Um, so I started American 300 to provide scholarships for the 16 kids that were left behind. So that was nonprofit side. And we did, we raised scholarships for the kids and that money was handed over and is now in an endowment to make sure they have scholarships. And so when I decided to venture into this world of entrepreneurialism or whatever you want to call it, um, the only name I could think of was the short away from the great American does this outside of my control of bringing world-class athletes together with service members. And so I just shorted down to AM 300 solutions. So the AM is short for American 300. And so I had, uh, I developed a, a patent for tracking soldiers on the battlefield. So some RFID technology. And the, the point of it was to address my biggest fear as a commander on the battlefield, which is losing one of my Rangers or soldiers mm -hmm. to, you know, the enemy. And so the, the technology was to track every single soldier on the battlefield from one computer and that kind of morphed into tracking equipment, uh, you know, and all this stuff. So if we were selling weapons to foreign military, we could track them and, and watch where they actually go so they don't end up in the wrong hands. So that was the first phase and uh, had some pretty big government contracts. And at about that time was when, unfortunately, I, I went through my divorce and uh, it was crippling to me. And at the same time, the number of suicides from my unit had matched the number that I lost. Mm -hmm. And so, and address the issues that I went through personally as a commander, losing that amount of life under my responsibility, being wounded four times, um, myself losing my family, that I was going to quickly become one of those statistics as well. Mm. And so I ended up giving the patent up to the United States government and turned the mission inward. And uh, so I no intent to restart AM300 again, but I, uh, I realized that if I did not allow myself to recover you know, on the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual planes of existence, then I was going nowhere. And so it was just started out with me. Uh, I started doing that and putting it into action. Uh, some of the athletes that I already had relationships with, with US ski and snowboard started taking notice and wanted to kind of, you know, initially just support me, but then they started implementing uh, some of the methods that I was doing. And before I knew it, um, we had restarted AM Trainer Solutions under a different mission set, which was to develop, collaborate, deliver hard fought wisdom for winning it, 
order at home mom, um, you know, salesman, you know, with your own business or whatever. It was to take those common principles that all yeah. of us shared from special operations to Olympic sports, stay at home moms, whoever's crushing a life, bring those together, find those commonalities and then try and reproduce them in their own areas. And so that's uh, what AM 300 uh, was regenerated as. And now I use that for my consulting work with US Ski and Snowboard, the other Olympic NGBs I work with, and then um, any other companies that I've I've worked with at this point. Um, so that's uh, in essence what AM 300 is in my book that's coming out this fall is, is being published under that same company. Incredible. So, so let me get this right. You've gone from, you know, fighting on the front line to being injured, to doing some corporate stuff, to starting a, a technology company with huge U.S. Co government contracts, giving that up, and now you're you're helping, you know, the mindset and the strategy for people that sort of want to want to be crushing life, basically. Yeah. So the, <laughs> that the is last part the, is what I think I'm most proud of. <laughs> So the last part that you said is probably what I'm most proud of because that was, that's been the result of it yeah. because I've always, you know, I used to be the type of guy that was always so focused on that price, you know, at the end, never the process, mm -hmm. but what is, and so that would be the same as like a, a mindset that's only their emphasis is only on success or the big yeah. success rather than a mindset on being excellent at all the little things that we do in life on a daily basis that all of a sudden success just becomes the natural byproduct of living a life of excellence. And so what you just kind of articulated, there was never any intent for it to be the end state that you just described, exactly. yeah. which is what kind of makes it kind of neat, at least in, in my opinion. And so, yes, it does kind of seem a little random, but I think that's <laughs> no, I just, love it. But, it. but, you know, I think anybody, you know, that works. And if you talk with, you know, I mean, tell you the same thing. It's like, why well, have you had such success? Well, it's doing the little things, you know, higher standard, high standard of excellence, you know, every day that yeah. people don't necessarily, you know, think are shiny and sparkly. But the result is these medals I have around my neck, the sponsorships, being on the Olympic team, whatever. Exactly. So for you as a person, as you are today, how is how do you run your life? Because I'm guessing that you you're someone with structure, someone routine. What is it that sort of makes your winning formula for your day so that you can be there and support your clients at the moment? Yeah, so I I think I I just so it starts with what we just kind of talked about uh, or what I highlighted on there was rather than putting a, a focus on the success, the big yeah. success things, it's it's being able to do. This, the small things to a very high standard of excellence and repeating those things to the point that I guess they become habits. And then all of a sudden those things kind of build up mm -hmm. and then the, the result is, is success. So that is, yes, structure, you know, routine, you know, doing things repeatable that they just become habits that you don't even think of them out of. And it's just kind of a quote unquote normal day of life. It always shocks me when people say like, man, how do you do that thing so well? I'm like, well, what you <laughs> haven't seen is all the mess ups and screw ups that I've done yeah. to create repeatable you know, standards for myself that result in what you see as a quote unquote big deal. But that's what I found, at least for me. And when I go back and look in my service within the United States military, you know, everyone thinks, you know, U.S. or any special operations is a this quote unquote sexy part of the military because that's what movies are made about. And that's mm -hmm. what James Bond is based off and all that stuff. But really, all we do is we take the very small tasks and we do them really, really, really well. 
And then the result is the success that comes out that people, you know, kind of see as, as flashy, but what they negate is how many hours and hours and hours we do of just walkthroughs of dry fires, blank fires before we even put live ammunition or that's what I've tried to take into this life now mm-hmm. of, you know, just be an ordinary average guy out on the street. That's, that's trying to, to make a living and, you know, fortunate enough that I get to do it in the form that it helps other people. Yeah. Why? I'm really curious to know, why do you think that so many people struggle with getting into that, you know, that finite detail to make it, to make the success that they want. So to do that well, same thing over and over. And even if it, even if they get it wrong, well, because those are like the little things, doing the little things, excellence, not sexy. It's not the thing that gets put on Instagram. You know, yeah. I know there's this whole big thing here in America that Admiral, um, I'm blank on his name right now, but the Navy SEAL Admiral said, make your bed. That's the key to success. Just start mm-hmm. by making your bed every day. Yeah. Well, that's not sexy. And that's not something that a thousand people are going to go and like and comment on Instagram. You know, eating a good breakfast. That's on focus and intention through everything that you do. Those aren't the things that are sexy. So if people want to focus on these big things and they, that becomes their focus. And when you have this delta or this distance between, you know, where you are and the big prize, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it seems impossible. Whereas if you just kind of make those things, okay, from right here to right here, then right here to right here, right here, then all of a sudden that stuff just builds up. And to me, it just seems simple. But to a lot of people, it's like, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. And it's like with my daughters, you know, it's the same thing in school. They, oh my gosh, I got this project, dad, I don't know what to do. Okay, well, let's break it down. Let's see what yeah. you need to do. Get right here, right here, right here. And then the other, the second part of that is, is people don't like to plan. Like if you just plan out what you're doing, like all of a sudden life becomes a lot more manageable within that period. And those are the things, I mean, it's like, well, that's simple. Yeah, it is. But those are the things that people just don't want to do. And comes a lot of work, but everything builds upon each other, right? And so that's why I think, you know, most people just, you know, it becomes overwhelming because mm-hmm. they can't, they, they just can't get to that visualization part. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, it's like this coffee cup that I think I got right now. Yeah, or sorry, right? No one cares. Work harder, right? <laughs> Love it's, that. it's like, seriously, it's like, who cares you made your bet? Now go yeah. clean the kitchen, go do this. And, but as you build onto this stuff, what's the end? The end is you have, oh, wow, I've got a great day that I just had where my house is clean and I come home and enjoy it with my family when I get back. Mm. So those are the types of success that, that I look for. But then when I take it and I work with athletes or something, it's like, okay, let's, let's build the same model within your quote unquote big trick that you're going to try and do. Well, no one sees the process. They just see what's up here. It's like, oh, that's impossible. But what they neglected was the whole process that happened in between. Yeah. What's the typical problems that you come up across with athletes then? Because again, from the outside in, you kind of think that, hey, they're they're killing it. They're killing their sport. They're doing the tricks. They're sponsored by Red Bull, whatever it is. What are the common mindset blocks that an, a pro athlete would, would often have that perhaps we as the general public don't get to see? Yeah, well, I think what a lot of people don't realize with these kids, and I say kids because I'm super old now, right? <laughs> but the problem with these kids is like the difference between, you know, the top snowboarder in the world, I'll just use snowboarding, for example, yep. and the 40th ranked snowboarder in the world is very, very minute. 
Yeah. Right. That difference is so small. So in terms of the top capacity and to break through, there's not much, you know, difference in there. And so uh, with those, you know, there's not a lot of room for improvement. So it's getting outside the box and doing, you know, different things to get creative. So take, for instance, the physical aspect. And this is one of the things that I work closely with them on is there's not much I can do to bring their physical level up anymore. Yeah. Um, it's so athletes is using performance and drugs because there's a cap, right? In terms of what just the human body is capable of. So what I learned, you know, serving as Army Ranger was how to take my mental capacity and expand that to raise my physical capacity along with it. Because if I can shut my brain off during a workout or a hard mission or something, I'm going to get that much further than the enemy or, you know, whatever. And so with the athletes, what I'll work with them on a lot is, you know, that shutting down, you know, the mind so they can get an extra 10 to 15 seconds out of said workout or whatever, right? And so then all of a sudden they realize, like, holy crap, my previous, I could only do that one workout for 15 seconds, but now because this 39-year-old man next to me is still going, I'm not going to let him beat me. And so I'm going to keep going. And whoa, I just got 22 seconds out of that workout. And then all of a sudden that stuff translates, you know, onto snow, because at least for us Americans, and I won't speak for any other country, I will say that we have become one of the laziest, um, you know, cultures, especially compared to like the Japanese. You look at all the top yeah. snowboarders in the world. This is just it's those people work at is just amazing and so once they can break past that now all of a sudden they've got a certain edge that a lot of people aren't willing to dig down and go through the suffering to achieve mm. so that's number one number two is i don't know if you've ever been snowboarding or done anything of the equivalent like that where you're the only one at the top of the pipe and there are thousands of people watching you and you've just watched your number one competitor on your team bite it at the bottom that's a lot of stuff going through your head, right? And so the ability to quiet all that stuff down and shut everything out before they go down so they can just send it down that pipe and reach their individual potential, that's a huge strength to have. And so, you know, within us, for me, the equivalent been like when I was standing on the tailgate of a C-130 prior to jumping out. Well, as I'm sitting out there as a senior jump master, I've got 149 guys behind me. I can think about all the things that can go wrong from that distance. From that if I do that, trust me, I'm not going to be able to do my job as a commander because those 149 yeah. guys, they have the same thoughts and fears and they can have those, but I can't afford to. And so to me, it's like the same thing. And so I work a lot with athletes on, you know, learning, taking things to quiet everything down, to slow mm -hmm. everything down to bring intention and focus to that moment in time so they can just execute what they've done to a small level and high standard of excellence over and over and over and put it all together. It's, and so those would be the two things that I would say that I work with, with them. Amazing. It's really refreshing actually to hear you, you phrase it in that way in the sense of slowing the mind down, dampening the mind, because it seems that everyone else in sort of the high performance world is much more tapping much more focused on you know tap into the mind you know use the mind etc etc but your way makes sense because these guys that especially the guys you're working with are like you said pushing themselves to that limit and they want to go above the limit that they're already pushing themselves to so for you and the when you start explaining this to them explaining the whole you know quiet the mind dampen the mind do they get it straight away or do you have to really push them like you said on the treadmill for them to realize it? Oh yeah. You always got to push because if I tell you that in order to be fast, you need to first learn to be slow. 
you're gonna be like, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's stupid, right? Yeah. But listen, I don't sit around, like you can ask my fiance. I am the last person in the world that's gonna sit around and meditate and attempt to emulate Yoda. Okay, <laughs> that's just not me. I meditate and I am mindful for one reason, one reason alone, to enhance my efficiency within the moment of time. Yeah. Okay, that's what the purpose is. And once they can see that's what the result of it is, like this is not about, you know, being able to just stand around and be Zen, which great. If that ends up happening in my harnessing our performance within that specific moment in time in order to be excellent. And all of a sudden success mm -hmm. is just a natural byproduct of yeah. living a life like that. And that's when I think, you know, people start to catch on a little bit more. I mean, it's, it's simple. It's not that hard. It's like in order, the if you want to be fast, slow down first. The best thing yeah, to say. That's, I mean, like I said, that's, it's not that we're necessarily, you know, that it's not that our world within the military is better than anyone else. It's just that we break it down and our focus is yeah. on doing these simple things to a very, very high standard because those simple things build upon each other and all of a sudden become what appear to be much bigger things because they are yeah. bigger things. But if, but it's like you, if you don't build a house, if you build a house, you don't build the solid foundation first, guess what? It's not going to last. It's like this <laughs> it's stuff is so roof, easy. You know? Exactly. So it's uh it is, it is really fascinating because a lot of this is so simple, but the hardest for people to implement into their lives. Um, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm curious to know if you're, if you live your life like this, which is a fantastic way to live it. Do you switch off? Do you sort of have your downtime or are you always consistently going? And I, we've got to, we've got to mention obviously the, the world at the moment is sort of forcing people to do things they're perhaps not used to. How have you handled it? Because I'm guessing you can't work with clients at the moment in the best of, you know, face to face. You can't be next to them on a treadmill. So how yeah. have you handled the last couple of months? Yeah. Well, so first of all, how I've handled the last couple of months, this has been great for me. Like <laughs> I like all this is, is the way that I've wanted to live life all along. And it's given me an excuse that now longer, I'm no longer considered a, you know, a punk or Love anything it. like that. <laughs> and so it's like, so now all of a sudden I'm enlightened because of, yeah. you know, this, yeah. which I'm just kidding. I'm not enlightened. But so what the way that I've looked at it is, okay, so now there's, I think it can agree that we all have things that we don't have time to get to, right? So mm -hmm. I've taken this as an opportunity. Hey, all that stuff that's on my shelf that I wanted to get to, okay, now here's the opportunity, you know, to get to that, to, to take and refocus some stuff. I do still do a lot of work with this guy, but it's, it's like this, it's over yeah. Zoom. Um, you know, some of my athletes couldn't work out uh, at their gyms, right? Because the Olympic Training Center shut down, Park City shut down, uh, which is where the Center of Excellence is for U.S. Snowboard. And so I sent them steel maces, you know, which is what I use for one of my workouts. It's something they can do inside. And we get on Zoom, we do them together, we challenge each other, we shame each other, we say, hey, look, you're using the five pound instead of the 20 or whatever. And so it's about getting creative with it, right? Yeah. And then fortunately, was able to get them into some gyms that I have connections with where they just let them in because of pro level athletes. And it's kind of cool to have them there working out. And so it's, it's just getting creative because every situation we go into, listen, man, everybody can make an excuse. Why I, why I have time or why I have too much time or why there's nothing mm -hmm. to do. Everyone can make that excuse. So to me, that looks like an opportunity where a lot of people just sit around doing nothing and there's space available. And so what am I going to do within that space that's available? And what can I do? What can I do to get creative? 
Um, so it's, you know, have I slowed down? I don't know. You have to ask my fiance that, um, but she's shaking her head. No. So <laughs> it's not necessarily slowing down. It's rediverting resources. And yeah, exactly. Is the way that is the way that I look at it. Yeah. And you know, and so that's how I've addressed. I, I haven't really been asked that question and I haven't noticed it, you know, myself, but I mean, this is a time where I'm able to now redivert energy towards spending time with my daughters. I mean, they're in school right now. They shouldn't be down in Texas when they go to school in Arizona at this point, (laughs) but they they are, right? And so I've taken that opportunity to to invest in some family time, you know, at this point, which has been, you know, obviously great. You know, my fiance wasn't supposed to move down here until Unfortunately, the whole thing started. You couldn't get a plane ticket back to the Northeast in Connecticut, where you know things are you know a little bit worse than they are you know down here. So it's about it's just simply about rediverting and reallocating you know the amount of resources that are there. And if there's a void, hey, go after it and take it. Because if no one's using it, I'm sure going to find something to do with it. For sure, I'm a big believer that I don't want to look back on this time and think oh, I could have done things. I could have read that book or I could have done this. I'm just doing it. Dude, one of my one of my favorite all time quotes is what are you leaving on the table mm. right because at the end of the day like i don't want to leave anything on the table and so if you look back and you're like oh man i could have done this i could have done that well you know what that's been our choice and yeah. so does it take getting a little bit creative yes it does my daughters know very well now the last thing they'll ever say is daddy i'm bored <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> and so you know but obviously there's you know you want to you know do that within a healthy realm and right yeah. now it's just been an opportunity for me to read a bird and obviously my fiance and i have got and they're married they didn't think that we would have and now it's been you know a total blessing exactly those sort of unpredictable priceless moments that no one could have expected um so let's talk about your book then you if you finish the book is the book when's the book out i'm really i love speaking to authors and how did you go about writing yeah yeah so the book is scheduled in fall well scheduled in spring and then some Things just happened with the scheduling of books where they decided to push it back to the summer. And yeah. now it's being pushed back to the fall because no one knows what's really going on. I think that's the latest that will go with the release only because there's a, there's, there's people that are waiting on it and there's certain, you know, work type stuff that's connected with purchase of the book. And so, um, so it's scheduled to come out and in the fall and it's, it's basically, you know, when I will go out and share my story. So I, I had an opportunity to do a Ted talk uh, about a year and a half ago um, here in Texas and is an incredible opportunity. And, and I've shared my story. Wow. It's a unique story about the community I come from in the military. It's just, I realized very quickly, I'm just one of the few that, that is, that is becoming vulnerable enough in order to share it. So the book is essentially, you know, my path to becoming an army ranger, because at least here in the United States, you know, military for the most part, um, comes from, you know, the lower part of the socioeconomical uh, mm-hmm. status. Um, it's, you know, it's not like Israel and it's not like, you know, the UK where kind of, you know, there's the, this kind of a steam class where, I mean, Hey, your, your own royalty, you know, is always served there, which is awesome. A uh, ton of respect to, to them for doing that. And so for me, I, it, it talks about what pushed me into doing it, yeah. what pushed me into becoming, you know, an army ranger. And then, you know, of course the experience of going through the, the part of combat that be, can be considered, you know, horrific by some and then most importantly the journey back to humanity and that's really what the essence of the book is, is that experience learning from those situations in life and um 
and then obviously to, to where I am now. So the first book is kind of the backstory of it. And then we're already in talks right now of a second book, which is kind of more on the application phase of the Phoenix Project yeah. of how I did it or how we do it, I say M300, because it's a collaboration effort, right? Along the mental, the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual planes of life, along with a lot of contributions from some of the athletes and other high performers that I've had an opportunity, an honor to work with. Love it. How does it feel being an author? Because I imagine, you know, 10 odd years ago, you probably never would have thought that you would have a book coming out in the fall of 2020. Well, so there's actually two books coming out. <laughs> um, there's, there's one, so there's one coming out that's in, uh, in the end of July, which was a book I wrote 10 years ago um, ah. for the, for the army. And I just got the rights back to it and it's about counterinsurgency. And that's actually why I was over in the UK. Um, ah, I was doing research for that book. Long um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, Malaya, uh, Burma, India, um, all those places, Ireland, even still to a certain extent. Yeah. And so the book is about, you know, studying those experiences and then the application towards at the time, Afghanistan and Iraq. And so, but what I found is that when I go in and work with companies, um, like a lot of those principles, like, you know, they're having to use those principles and I'm sharing them with them. And so I got the rights to the book back. So we're publishing that as kind of a precursor to get people excited about AM300. And that'll be called uh, Unwinnable Wars, uh, Lessons Ooh, from the Ashes. Because um, almost all counterinsurgencies have been failures, massive mm -hmm. failures um, through history. And so it's kind of like lessons learned from those ashes to rise up and do the right thing the next time. And in fact, I, how I got the idea to publish that was my fiance and we were having a talk about where I was essentially comparing her uh, her kids in her class to terrorists, you know, and like, here's how some things you, you can and, you know, move on. All of a sudden I realized, oh, wow, this stuff is is definitely more applicable. And, you know, some of the snowboarders, especially because, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they were considered the counterculture of the Olympic yeah. sport community. Now they're the top money earners across the sport, same thing. And so when 10 years ago, uh, I mean, I never planned for that to be published. It's just something that kind of fell back in my lap and might as well use it if it's out yeah, there. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of writing something that would actually have impact to help people come back, because I don't look at the trauma that I went through as anything special. You know, mm -hmm. uh, a woman that went through a certain trauma, you know, as a girl, you know, rising up but doing something about it in terms of her life work is just as important, if not more important than what I went through and what I choose to do with it today. And so the idea that it could potentially help you know, people outside of the military, that's what's, that's something I would have never, you know, seen because with veterans, and I think you'll find this even with your fellow countrymen, if you talk to them about our biggest thing when we get out is we lose our purpose. Mm. Yeah, that's common. And, and we have nothing to pay for. It's like, why are we here? And I think that's one of the big reasons with, you know, veteran suicide, at least here in the United States. And so this is definitely, I think, given more purpose. And if it can go and, and help people, at least give them kind of some ideas of knowing like, yeah. well, this you know, if this jackass, you know, is able to figure out to it, then I should be able to even better. Well, then great. Right. Yeah. And and that's kind of, I think what I see is the kind of exciting thing about it. Jesse, that I'm loving your mission. I'm loving your purpose. Uh, I just think your vibe and everything is spot on and uh, you're helping a lot of people, which is, which is the cool thing about life, right? It's about helping others. It's about helping ourselves by helping others. Um, I would love to just end this podcast on a final question and perhaps one that we can take away from your book, right? Maybe if I say to you, if I was going to pick up your book tomorrow, what are maybe two or three key takeaways that I would be getting from that? Obviously through your learning as well. 
Yeah, I, I think number one is an option to quit. That's always an option that's in your back is to just not quit. Number two, there's always someone out there that's got it worse than you. I mean, I, I look at what I went through and trust me, there's a lot of other guys and girls out there that have, uh, you know, have it worse than what we have. And, you know, when I finished my TED talk, the last thing I said was, hey, don't wait to start your Phoenix project until you're all the way down here. Mm. You know, start it right up here and build and build and build. And the final thing that's out there is, man, if this country bumpkin can do it, then anyone, <laughs> anyone can. Right. Like I, I'm extremely grateful for the people that I have the opportunity to work with people that have the opportunity that I call family now. And, you know, that's just the amazing thing that when you all of a sudden just kind of put other people in front of you and have an active service in your attitude, the amazing things that can come along. Definitely. Jesse, three spot on things, but listen, you've given so much value here. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to, if you're next in the UK, we've got to meet up. I, I feel like you're someone that I'd love to just have dinner with and pick your brains and uh, just chat with even further. My final, final question is, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, find out more about AM300, what you're doing, all those good things, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so they can go on uh, our website, which is simple, am300.com, uh, or on social media, all the platforms. I'm fortunate enough to have AM300 Phoenix. Uh, Instagram is probably the one that I'm the most active on because that's just where my athletes are. And so if I'm forced to be on there and do it, that's that's <laughs> generally where I am. But, you know, there's contact buttons on am300.com and I, I do my best to, to promptly get back. I think I got back to you guys pretty quick yeah, uh, when you reached you out. Did. So so that's probably the best way. Perfect. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on Founders 365. You've been fantastic. And uh, I really look forward to reading your book in the full. Thanks, brother. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. It's been Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty.